Well, hey, what is up, Northridge Church? Man, I hope everybody's doing well. Let me just say welcome home and welcome to Northridge Church. Shout out to our campuses at Webster, those of you engaging online in Rochester. Thanks for being here. Thanks for taking a piece of your weekend and hanging out with us at Northridge Church. Welcome home. And you know, should I say it? I don't know. Maybe I should say it. Merry Christmas. Right? Yeah, it's the holiday season, right? And it's that time. I hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving, and we are 20 days, 20 days until Christmas. Come on, it feels good, doesn't it? Woo, come on, y'all dead. Come on, this is my 11 o'clock service. We should be rowdy and excited, right? And you know what I love about uh, this time of year? If you're driving in your car at, at night, hopefully your eyes are on the road, but just seeing you know, house after house, the, the light coming through on the Christmas tree, house by house, it's just a magical time of year. And so Merry Christmas to each and every one of you, and you're going to hear it for me. I even busted out my Christmas sweater. <laughs> Come on. I, you know, hey, I'm just, I'm just giving you a little heads up. I might have you know, two more for the next couple weeks. I'm just saying. So I'm ready for Christmas. And I'm just glad you all caught up with me because my Christmas tree's been up since October 29th, baby. You can judge me all you want. I like it. So Merry Christmas. Welcome to everybody. Welcome home. And can I just say something to our, our deaf community? I love watching you guys worship the Lord. It's inspiring and motivating. And welcome home to each and every one of you. Thanks for joining us. And, you know, about six years ago, uh, my family and I, we lived in Georgia. And it was our, our, our oldest daughter, Joelle, she was around seven months. And it was, it was a normal day in, in the Karstner household. I was getting ready to go to work, so I kissed my wife and my daughter goodbye. And Joelle was at that age, seven months. She walked pretty early. And so she, she, her legs were getting stronger and stronger. She would stand up. And part of the reason why is because she loved this little bouncy thing that she, she, she would sit in often. She would just bounce and be happy as a, as a clam in that little bouncer. And so... It was a normal day. I leave for work, and Joelle's kind of bouncing around. Ashley's doing kind of the normal things that she, she does. And in Georgia, it was beautiful that day. It was about 74 degrees. It was a sunny day, slight breeze, much like it's, you know, it's like Rochester around this time, you know. And so Ashley, Joelle's happy in her bouncy, bouncy house, and Ashley goes out the breakfast uh, door window to this really awkward like balcony deck. It's two stories high, and it's kind of like this hallway deck to the, another door that's our master uh, bedroom. And so she goes out on this deck, and she's just kind of letting the sun kind of beat on her, or just feeling the breeze, catching her breath. It's just a beautiful day. And through the window, she can see Joelle's happy, bouncing, and so everything is good. And so, you know, I don't know why kids do this, but the moment they realize, like, you're not in the room with them, they just decide to cry. And so Joelle's like, mom's gone. Where'd she go? She starts crying. Ashley can see her crying through the window. And so Ashley goes back to the door to grab it and to un uh, open it up, and it's locked. I don't know what happened, but that little button, that dumb little button got pushed and the door's locked. No big deal, right? Because she's like, okay, there's another door like right down the hallway. And so she goes to the hallway to our master bedroom. She goes to get the door and it's locked. And so she's kind of stuck two stories high on this balcony. There's no steps down. And so she's not going to jump over. And she's kind of like, what am I going to do? Oh, and I forgot to mention, she's in her nightgown. <laughs> 
in this neighborhood and, you know, you got some bedhead. And so it's kind of like, you know, what, 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 is, what am I going to do? And she's like, no big deal. I'll call Drew. He can come get me. And so uh, she looks over and through the window, she sees that her cell phone is sitting on the kitchen counter. And so she's stuck. There, there's nothing that she can do. She's panicked, like, how, how, what am I going to do? How can I escape this, this moment? She's not going to jump over the balcony. And you know what she needed? She needed to be rescued. She needed someone to intervene for her. And have you ever been at that place in your life where you felt that same way? Where you needed rescued? You needed somebody to intervene for you. You couldn't manage the situation and you needed help. You see, I would suggest that many of us have felt that way at some point or some circumstance in our life. Heck, I think maybe during the holidays, some of us might want rescued, right? Rescued from our in-laws during the holiday season? Anybody? Maybe, just me, okay. Some of you, this is probably for our guys, are gonna be rescued from the endless shopping from the next 20 days. <laughs> Better yet, some of you are gonna wanna be rescued from the credit card bill that comes after all that shopping. And I know most of you are going to want to get rescued from all the snow that's about to hit Rochester. But I would bet maybe the rescue is more serious than that. Because for some of you, you need rescued from your marriage that's failing. Some of you need rescued from the singleness that you keep enduring and enduring. Some of you need rescued from your kids, your job, your boss, the, the addiction that you have, the grief that won't go away, the loneliness, the depression, your dysfunctional family. You see, I think we all can relate to my wife on that balcony just hoping that somebody would come through for you to rescue you from your circumstance or your situation. And I have great news for you today. You can be rescued. You can be rescued because we're getting ready to celebrate Christmas. And here's what you need to know is that Christmas is the beginning of God's rescue plan for you and for me. The holiday that we are approaching is the beginning of God unfolding this master plan where he will rescue humanity, the world, from itself. In fact, I love what Ephesians 5 says. It says this in Ephesians chapter 1. It says this. In him, that's Jesus, this baby that's being born on the first Christmas. We have redemption. We've been rescued through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us. And so this morning, we're starting a, a three-week series that builds into Christmas Eve called Heaven Invades. And really what this series is, is it's this prequel to the series that we just finished, you see, if you, have, you weren't with us for the last, you know, four weeks or a little bit more than that, we studied heaven and we studied our eternal home that God is preparing for us, something that we should long for. But just like the Lord of the Rings, if you've, you've seen the Lord of the Rings, right, the Lord of the Rings came out first and then they launched The Hobbit, which is actually the prequel, the events that lead up to the Lord of the Rings. And this series, Heaven Invades, is really the events that led to the play, to the moment where we could actually go and spend eternity with our Savior in heaven. And so let me walk you through this three-week series, right? Today, we're going to talk about how heaven actually came to earth. Week two, we're going to talk about how we can experience, although it's hard, heaven actually on earth. And then in week three, we're going to talk about how when Jesus went back to heaven, how he actually left a piece of heaven with us. And so if Christmas is God's rescue plan for us, for humanity, was this just something that God, you know, randomly did? 
One day he was in heaven. He's like, oh, you know what? I, I think I should send my son. No, the reality is this plan, this rescue plan was predicted from long ago. What's amazing about the story of, of Jesus is his birth and his life, his death and his resurrection fulfilled over 300 predictions or prophecies. Now, here's what's crazy about the Bible. If you were to predict something, right, if you're gonna try to tell the future, you're gonna wanna be as generic as possible because it gives you the, the greatest chance of being accurate, right? Right, like, so let's say I'll make a prediction for Monday night. I'm just saying, I think the Bills are gonna beat the Patriots. All right. I mean, can I get an amen, right? Come on. Uh, work with me here. I don't care who wins that game. I make a prediction, right? But I'm gonna try to keep it as generic as possible. I'm not gonna give you a score because I could be way off. But what's crazy about the birth of Jesus is the Bible makes some crazy predictions that came true. Let me show you some of them. The very first prediction scholars believe is actually in the very first book, Genesis chapter three, and it talks about how th that, that Mary will be a part, the lineage of, of Eve will be a part of, of Jesus. It says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and he will strike his heel. And a lot of scholars believe this is referring to Mary. Right, Mary being, bringing Jesus into the world. But let's get more specific. About hundreds of years ago, or hundreds of years before Jesus ever came, Isaiah says something really specific about his birth. Isaiah 7, he says, therefore the Lord will give you a sign. And the virgin will give, conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, if I was predicting somebody's birth, I'm probably not gonna go on a limb and say, yeah, I think it's gonna be a virgin birth. Sounds about right. Yeah, hundreds of years before it ever happens. Yeah, it feels good. Okay. Okay, what about Micah, another prophet? Not only did he predict something, he said, hey, you know what? I'm gonna tell you where Jesus is going to be born. Like, the, I'm gonna tell you the town it's gonna happen in. Look at Micah 5. He says, but you, Bethlehem, though you are Small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Right, so these are specific prophecies hundreds of years before Jesus ever came. Because God was unfolding this rescue plan and it was predicted from long ago, but yet I think there's a tension here. Because I think some of you are like, listen, Drew, this is an awesome story. I love the Christmas season, but I just don't feel like I need rescue. My life is good, right? I've, I've been in places where I needed rescued, but like, I just feel good. I don't feel like I need a rescuer. And whether you feel like you do or not, the, the, the truth of the Bible is we all need rescue because we are all marred by sin. And the problem with sin is we can't fix the problem. We can't be our own rescuer, even though we try, right? We try to overcome our sin and we get clean from sin for a season, a moment, a day, but then our life gets messy again. And the reason why that is is because we are not able to rescue ourselves. And so here's the question I wanna to answer today. As we study the first Christmas, what makes Jesus any different than us? What makes Jesus so special that he can rescue me when I can't rescue myself? And I think the answer to that question, what makes Jesus unique from all of us is found in his birth. If you got your Bible, Matthew chapter one. 
Matthew chapter one, we're gonna read Matthew's account, his storytelling of the birth of Jesus. Matthew 1, 18, it says this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save, he will rescue people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the law said through the prophet, right? Remember that prediction 100 years ago? Here Matthew copies it. He says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so here at the very first Christmas, we see heaven invading earth through a baby boy. And, and this story, Jesus' birth is unique. It's scandalous a little bit. Because it starts with Mary, right? Mary is pregnant, and the Bible says that she's pregnant through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit conceives Jesus in the womb of Mary. And it causes some tension in a relationship between Joseph and Mary because they're engaged, and Joseph is not buying the story that Mary's telling. Right, hey, I, I know you say it, it's God's baby, but this feels wrong. And you see in the Bible, Joseph's getting ready to divorce Mary. Now, you might ask the question, why do they need to get a divorce? They're just engaged. But you have to understand, in this culture, an engagement was as strong as a marriage. In fact, legally, in this society, you had to get a legal divorce to get out of an engagement. And so Joseph, being a good guy, he looks at Mary, he feels betrayed, but yet he loves her enough to say, hey, I'm going to do this quietly. I'm not going to make a spectacle. I'm not going to publicly disgrace you for your betrayal. I'm just going to do it quietly. And then an angel comes to Joseph. He says, Joseph, listen, this is different. Mary didn't betray you, but God is doing something bigger than you. He's, he's conceived a baby, and guess what? This baby is a son of God, and he's gonna rescue people from themselves. And in inherently here at Jesus' birth, what makes Jesus different than all of us is that Jesus was born of a virgin. Jesus was brought into this world, carried by a human woman, but conceived by God. And there's some huge ramifications of that, right? In Christianity today, we like to put a lot of weight on the death and resurrection of Jesus, rightfully so. We party every Easter because Jesus conquered death and defeated the grave. It's awesome. But the reality is that theology, that doctrine is important, but so is the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Because without the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection doesn't matter. It means nothing. And so it's important for us as believers, as we stand rooted in our faith, to understand the significance of Christmas and how Jesus came and why he came. And so today I want to talk about three implications of Jesus being born of a virgin that separate him from you and I, that make him an adequate rescuer. The first one is because he was born of a virgin, Jesus escapes the sinful nature. Jesus can live a perfect life, something that we can't do. Because the Bible makes it very clear about us as humanity, right? Romans 3, 23 says it like this. It says, all have sinned. 
All have sinned. And so me, you, all of us, we're all in the same boat. We are all sinners, imperfect people marred by sin. And I don't need some theological statement to prove this to you, right? The reality of life, the practicalness of life, it's there for us to see because, you know, if you've seen a little kid, right? If you're a parent, a grandparent, a niece or an uncle, if you've been around kids, here's what I know to be true. No one ever spends any time teaching anyone to do what is wrong. Right? It just doesn't happen in our society, but then why are we so good at doing the wrong thing? It's because the Bible's true. Right? This is what everybody says, amen? The Bible's true? Let's try it again. Bible's true, amen? Okay, I'm just making sure you're still with me. Right, okay? Lights are dim, it feels good, right? But here's the reality. We are all marred by sin. We have to spend the majority of our time helping ourselves and everybody else around us to do the right thing. We're born in rebellion to God. And guess what? It comes easy to us. It's not hard to do the wrong thing. You know what's really hard? Doing the right thing. Why? Because we are born in sin. How, how did that happen? Well, it happened at the very beginning. In Genesis, the original sin, Romans says it like this, therefore... Just as sin entered the world through one man, that's Adam, and death through sin, and in this way, death to all people because all have sinned. And so scholars believe that the sinful nature is actually passed down through the male line. All the ladies said amen, right? <laughs> you know, I knew it. I knew it was him. And it's interesting, right, that Jesus is born carried by a female, born of a virgin, why? Because he had to be perfection. And the only way he could be that is through a virgin birth. And the ramifications of that are found in Hebrews chapter seven. Look what it says, it says, therefore, speaking of Jesus, he is able to save completely, rescue completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest, Jesus is called our high priest in the Bible, where he stands in the gap between us and God, truly meets our need. How does he meet our need? Well, he meets our need because he is holy, blameless, pure, and here it is, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. And so Jesus lives a perfect life because he's born of a virgin and he escapes the sinful nature that haunts you and I. This is really important to understand. I love what Warren Winsbury says. He says, the virgin birth of Christ is a key doctrine. For if Jesus Christ is not God come in sinless human flesh, then we have no savior. Jesus had to be. And so the first ramification of Jesus' virgin birth is he escapes the sinful nature. The second is it allows Jesus to be fully God and fully man. In the theological world, you probably heard this word before, it's called incarnation, right? We, we hear during the season, Jesus incarnate. And what that simply means is that Jesus was so different because he was fully God, a deity worthy of worship and to be adored, but yet still so relatable to us because he was fully human. And this is, this is like a profound mystery that we don't fully understand in our finite minds but God is worthy of our worship. He's worthy for us to give our lives to Jesus being fully God. But yet we love Jesus and I love Jesus because he's so relatable to me. 
Right? He's lost people he loved and has mourned, and he gets those feelings, the ups and downs of life, because he's walked in our shoes. It's what makes him an amazing savior because he's way above us, but yet still gets us because he was fully God and fully man. I love what C.S. Lewis says about this. He says, the central miracle asserted by Christians is the incarnation. They say that God became man. Every other miracle prepares for this or exhibits this or results from this. Just as every natural event is the manifestation at a particular place and moment of nature's total character, so every particular Christian miracle manifests at a particular place and moment, the character and significance of the incarnation. Now, I know C.S. Lewis can be hard to understand. Like, those are big words. I don't even know what the heck that guy was saying. But what he's saying ultimately is the incarnation, Jesus born of a virgin, being fully God and fully human being is the miracle that God performs that sets up and and, and magnifies every other miracle. It's that important. And so the implications of the virgin birth, he escapes the sinful nature, he's fully God and fully man and it's the fulfillment of prophecy. I told you earlier, 300 prophecies about Jesus, some vague, some very specific. And Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus ever came, said he would be born of a virgin. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign and the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and we will call him Emmanuel because heaven invaded earth through a baby boy. And this is why this is so important. I don't wanna just fill you up with some heady knowledge But the reason why, as Christians, we need to understand how significant the virgin birth is, is because through the virgin birth, the result of this is it makes Jesus the only sufficient rescuer. Because here's our natural tendency as human beings. When something goes wrong in our life, when sin takes over, we try to rescue ourselves. If we were in Ashley's predicament, we would have jumped a long time ago. But the problem with sin is it's too big for you to rescue yourself. It's too hefty. And what makes Jesus able and capable of solving your sin problem is that he was the perfection that an imperfect people needed and his virgin birth made him a sufficient rescuer for all of us. I love that word sufficient. It's not a word we use often. It means adequate. It means competent. It means enough. It means it's exactly what was necessary. You know, my brother-in-law is a, a Chick-fil-A operator. And uh, let me just pause and say, Jonathan, if you're watching for Christmas, I'd really love some free chicken sandwich cards. <laughs> if you could work on that. Um, it's so good. Praise the Lord. It's almost lunchtime. I'm hungry. Come on. Amen. Come in. And I, I love getting together with Jonathan. We got together over Thanksgiving and he's a, he's a great leader. He's a great businessman. And we often talk about those things, leadership and, and how to run a business. And I'm always amazed at, at Chick-fil-A and specifically his store at how much energy and time they put into making sure that food is sufficient to eat. Like it's adequate for the customers. I mean, they have it down to a science. He was kind of walking me through some of the details of like, they know the temperature that meat spoils at and needs to be cooked at perfectly. They know how to keep salad crisp and and good. I'm like, who cares about salad when there's chicken, (laughs) right? 
how to make their drinks taste fresh. Like they just work so hard. And, and the whole goal of it through Chick-fil-A is that their food has to meet a standard. And if it doesn't meet the standard, it gets tossed. And it was the same for the very first Christmas. God wanted to rescue us from our sin, but there was a standard. And unfortunately for Jesus, that standard was perfection. And the only way he could meet it is if he could live a sinless life. And in order to do that, he had to be born of a virgin to escape the sin that haunts each and every one of us. Can I tell you, the virgin birth is what makes Jesus worthy of the mission God had for him. And without it, without Christmas, Easter means absolutely nothing. Without the virgin birth, Jesus' death and resurrection is a waste of our time because he would just have been another guy who did something miraculous that meant nothing for us. And so we're 20 days out, 20 days until Christmas. And I want you to do two things as we approach this really important holiday season. One thing that will lead to another thing. And the, fir the first thing I want us to do this next week as we prepare and get ready, as we jingle and we jangle, we put up our trees, as we listen to music, as we wrap gifts, I want us to sit in God's love for you. The thing about Christmas, I don't know how anybody celebrates Christmas and somehow gets around God's radical and ridiculous and amazing love for you that he was willing to take his son out of heaven and send him to a messy, sinful world, not to be worshiped and adored, but he came to a messy stable to die, to be humiliated, to be destroyed. Why? Because God loves you. He loved you enough to give up his one and only son. And so this Christmas, when you open a present, when you wrap a present, when you look at the tree in your house glowing at night, don't get caught up in the tradition. Remind yourself, wow, God loves me. Dang, God loves me. You see, the traditions of Christmas are not to get caught up in. They're to remind you of the truth that God loves you. And so sit in that love this week. Be thankful for it, revel in it, rejoice in it, and be wowed by it. God's amazing love was willing to rescue you when you couldn't rescue yourself. And here's what happens. When we sit in God's love, we'll recognize something. We will recognize that God didn't just say he loved you. His love pursued you. It chased you down. When you weren't worthy of love, God still loved you and gave up everything for you. And so his love has this pursuit. And when you recognize God's love and you sit in God's love, here's what will happen. You'll recognize his pursuit for you. And what will happen in your life is your pursuit of others should match God's pursuit for you. Can I tell you, church, that over the next 20 days, we have an amazing opportunity to love our community, to love our city, to love our families the same way God loved us. To pursue people with the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ. You know what you know has happened to Christmas? It's been hijacked. Because you know what we do on Christmas? We love ourselves. I say, man, I've been good. Santa notice, I've been good. I deserve something good. The reality is you ain't been good. You've been sinful. You've been sinful. But God loved you anyway. And so this Christmas, I want to challenge our church out of the love of God to love others the same way God loved you, to pursue 
others with the gospel and with the love of Christ the same way God pursued you. And so we're gonna make this practical for a church. We're gonna do something together. You'll notice if you, you go to one of our physical campuses, Webster or Rochester, you'll notice a tree in your lobby. And at that tree, we've designed something specific for you. As you leave, as you exit the building, you'll notice that second service, right? You've seen ornaments on that tree. They're from first service. And on that tree, what we'd like you to do is you leave, as you exit, there's wooden ornaments and, and, and pens. We want you to write down on those pens some way that you're gonna love somebody this Christmas with the love of Jesus and put it on that ornament. And those trees, every weekend when we come and we show up to church, it's a reminder that, man, I have a job and a responsibility to show the world the love of Christ. If you're watching online, we didn't forget about you. We have a digital tree. In fact, that digital tree is at northridgerochester.com slash branch. If you go to that website right now, you will see the digital tree. It's already got ornaments on it of things people are going to do on our online campus. And at the bottom of that, if you just click that tab, you can make your own ornament and put it on that tree. So let's be a church that loves people the way God loved us, that pursues people. Let me give you some examples. It doesn't have to be complex. Right? Maybe this... Over the next 20 days, you, you just send a care package to somebody in the military that isn't going to be with their family. Maybe you love on a healthcare worker who's been overwhelmed this season. Maybe you go to your pantry and just find canned goods that you don't use and you donate them to a food pantry. Maybe you join the Northridge Care Portable Team. Maybe you buy somebody a cup of coffee. You pay it forward in the, in the drive-thru. Maybe you share your faith. That might be the best gift you can give to somebody. Maybe you invite somebody to our Christmas Eve services. We got invite cards. Maybe you celebrate a coworker. Reach out to someone you've lost contact with. Bake cookies for your pastor. Can I say it again? <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to. <laughs> But do something that says, man, the only reason I love you is because God loved me first. And he rescued me. And I know everybody gets mad because I never finish my stories. <laughs> I got good news. Ashley got off that balcony. She's with us today. <laughs> Praise the Lord Jesus, right? Come on. And guess what? A week later, I was building stairs from that balcony down to the ground. <sighs> but it's funny, but the truth is, is we, we all need rescued. We are all, like my wife, trapped because of our sin. Choices that we made. And God, on the very first Christmas, began the journey of rescuing us. Let's pray together. Lord, thanks for your love. Every time I think about it and I meditate on it, it blows my mind because I recognize how unlovable I really am. And yet you still loved us. So God, this week I pray that when we look at our tree that's all lit up, when we wrap a present, when we listen to Christmas music, that it would remind us that we would be in awe of your love for us and we wouldn't stop there, God that you would move us to love people the same way you loved us. Help us to do that. We need your help to do that. In Jesus' name.